I'm going to be reading in the book of John. John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me also that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, did you notice that I read there are many rooms in my father's house. Now, if you have a King James Bible, it says many mansions. Other versions of the Bible say abiding places or dwellings or resting places or homes. And I'm gonna cover this in just a few moments, in a few minutes, in depth with you. But allow me to say this first. It is a beautiful day to be here at Cornerstone Community Church and I'm so glad to enjoy it with you, you who are here and those who are watching on the internet. Now, as most of you know, ever since the COVID started, we started broadcasting our worship service on our podcast and our webpage and our Facebook. And we have been told, we have people watching, and we've seen the reports that we have people watching in California, Colorado, Texas, Missouri, in here in North Dakota, and even in foreign countries, like we, and I can give you a list of them, but most of those are mission countries, and maybe a few in other places. We don't know. See, if I am honest with you, I really don't know all the places we're viewed at. And I really don't worry about it. We just post our services online and let God's Holy Spirit do the work. We're just faithful here in Bismarck. But we're out there, believe it or not. Google a church sign, our church sign comes out there. Well, this morning, I'm going to direct my message. I normally never direct a message, but I'm going to direct my message to Sam Westmall. And you sitting in here get to join in. This week, I received a call. I tore up my sermons and get a new sermon this week because of this. And it, from his wife, Joanne. Sam's wife was telling me that Sam had reached a crisis point. Basically, he had one of those mini strokes. He was in the hospital bed, he was dying, and it was a medical emergency. And he's in Utah. And he's lying in the hospital bed, and they're saying, no, he ain't gonna do. And so, you know, we're sitting there, I'm, his wife called me to ask me to pray for him. So she set her phone on speakerphone, and over the speaker, I prayed for a husband and a wife that I'd never met. I'd never talked to them. I'd never emailed them. I'd never texted them. But they were in a crisis and prayer works. I, I, I didn't question that. The, the internet, I just started praying. I mean, I don't worry about the little worries. They're in Utah. And to be honest with you, I'm being careful not to say what happened to him. So, and he is... You know, I'm being good to Sam, right? See, Sam and Loretta, Sam and Joanne, I said the wrong name. Sam and Joanne, sorry, Joanne. 
they, they live in Utah, and they found us on the internet after one of their friends sent them a picture of our church sign that was out there on the internet. And they liked the signs so much that they liked our Facebook page. And they liked the signs, so then they looked us up on the internet and found our web page. And they've been following us for about a year and a half. I didn't know they were following us. No clue. See, Kathy and I lived in Utah. And I can tell you, on several different times we lived in Utah, and when I worked for the Kmart Corporation on the stores, and that was before I answered God's call to be a minister, and I can personally tell you that it's a challenging place for Christians to live. There were only seven churches, Christian churches, in the entire county of the last city we lived in, which was Richfield, Utah. I mean, we counted the Catholic Church. I mean, there was only seven. That was it. There were no more. The good news is, this morning, is the crisis for Sam has passed and that the prayers were answered. It's... He wasn't, they didn't think he was going to do anything, and he back to normal. And we've had that happen in our church before. And it's just amazing. His wife's ready to dance a jig, I think. I, I really don't know. She, I don't know if she dances. I don't know what they look like. But today I'm going to direct my message at Sam. And those who may need a little bit of encouragement... And you get to listen in too. In this chapter in the book of John that we just read to you, we come to Jesus in the upper room where they're celebrating the Last Supper. John doesn't say that, but that's exactly where they are. And he just told his apostles that one of them was going to betray him and that Peter would deny him three times before dawn. In the midst of all this, Judas leaves the upper room and the rest of the apostles are left bewildered by what Jesus has said. So as recorded in John 14, 1 through 3, I'm going to quote it to you again, some words of comfort that Jesus said to them. So they're, they're in turmoil, he's going to give them these words of comfort. This is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. In the New Testament, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me also. There are many rooms in my father's house. If it were not so, I would not have told you I am going there. Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go there, do that, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me. And you can be also where I am. Now, did you notice that I read or quoted, there are many rooms in my father's house. Now, if you have a King James Bible, there are many mansions. And many times I just put them in anyhow. I I love mansions. But now in other versions, they say abiding places. They say dwellings, resting places, or homes. In our modern day, that would actually even include apartments or condominiums. The original Greek word that was written here, that 
in which most of the New Testament is written in, it actually translates dwellings or abodes. That's what it translates, dwellings or abodes. So where did the translators King James Bible get the idea of mansions? Well, it's not a wrong translation. It can be translated mansions. And if I was doing the King James, I love mansions. I don't know why he's going to do it for me because I ain't leaving his toes for the first 10,000 years. But it can be translated many ways. But we need to understand what Jesus is saying. And that's what we're going to cover today. But I want to share this with you first. One of my favorite old illustrations. A little boy got in an elevator, the Empire State Building. There's 86 floors in the Empire State Building, just a bit of trivia for you. And they were going to the observation deck, which is on the 86th floor. To view New York City. And the elevator ascended and the boys watched the flashing signs and they went up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And at 70, he said, the farther they went up, the boy got more nervous and became fun. He looked up at his dad. He said, Daddy, does God know we're coming? <laughs> this morning, I want to talk to you about heaven. And the first thing I want to point out is that God knows we're coming. And there's a place prepared for you and me. There are many people who want to go there. In fact, almost every religion has some concept of what heaven is. It's been called paradise. It's been called utopia. It's been called nirvana. It's been called Asgard. It's been called Valhalla. It's been called Zion, New Jerusalem, the kingdom of God, the happy hunting ground, and the sweet by and by. Although I do like that sound, sweet by and by. It's been called streets with gold, made with japsters, pearls, the precious. And the reason heaven is so universally believed in is because, as Ecclesiastes chapter 31 says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. He put it in your heart to know there's something more. God has placed in us the idea that there has to be more than just here. Well, nobody gave an amen. Trust me, there has to be something more. There has to be a place where God rewards those who love and obey him. And there has to be a place where God punishes those who don't. That's hell, and God has a lot to say about hell. He actually has more to say about hell than heaven, but today we're in heaven, so I'm, we're going to ignore that. So what will heaven be like? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us much. In fact, the Apostle Paul says he was taken up to paradise. He heard things that he could not even put into words, and he was not permitted to tell us because that was John's role, right? And if you would like to read that for yourself, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. 
He, he wasn't allowed to tell it to us. Other religions have explicit descriptions of heaven. The Quran is filled with descriptions of paradise and its place filled with beautiful female companions. The Quran, it's all about the guys and the women just get to go along with them in the heaven. It's, it's very, their heaven's just male. You're right, and the women do whatever they're told, they're slaves. And then the Muslim teaching, paradise is based on the, the stories of Muhammad when he supposedly had this miraculous journey. And then now Buddhism has as many heavens as they do Buddhas. In addition, various gods and goddesses inhabit the sect, right? And I could go on all about the different religions. But Christianity says comparatively little about heaven. Outside of some statements about what will and won't be there. And you would expect that because no matter what you and I might think of heaven, our imaginations are pathetically shallow of the reality of what's going to be there. Did you notice every song was talking one way about heaven or the spirit? Everything just works together. But God does give us images, word pictures, that may help us have an inkling what heaven might be like. So, I do not know exactly what heaven will look like. But I do know what won't be there and what will be there. The book of Revelation, chapter 21, tells us won't, that what won't be there. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more pain. The city does not need sun or moon to shine on it for God gives it its light. On that day, on no day, will the gates ever be shut because there's no night there. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now you can read this all for yourself. Revelation chapter 21, it's verses 4 and 23 and 25 and 27. Just read all 21. It's a great read. No death, no sorrow, no crying, and no pain. No people who hurt you or make you feel insecure or threatened. There'll be a lot of things missing from heaven. And that's a good thing. Things that we experience here on this earth that are frustrating, that make life uncomfortable and dangerous, ain't going to be there. One famous poet spoke of heaven this way. No dust, no rust, no rats, no rot, no raunchous rock, no potent pot, no growing old, weakening sight. No denture slipping when you bite. No bombs, no guns, no courts, no jails. Where all succeed and no one fails. To tell the truth, they state only facts. 
no wars, no debts, no income tax. According to this man's dream, in heaven, no one stands in line. There's only smiling faces. And it's a wonderful poem. Grant you it's not scripture, but it cheered up my soul when I read it, right? How would you put it into words? So what's, so what, so that's that. So what won't be there? So that, you know, we've covered what won't be there. What will be in heaven? Let's, let's think about that for a second. What can we expect? There'll be a lot of singing and worship there. Revelation chapter 5 verse 13 tells us, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea, all of them, they were singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb to praise and honor and glory and power forever. So a bit of trivia for you here now. That's why we start our worship service with singing. You ever forgot where we got it from? That's where we got it from. We are joining in in the heavenly chorus. You're working. You just don't know it. There are some people who've heard and think that all this worship and singing is going to be boring. Well, first off, it won't. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and turned on the radio or heard a song and you start bouncing with that music and you begin to sing along and maybe even dance around and you can't help yourself and that song makes you feel so good? There, there was some song, um, Tina Griffith used to do it, it's Happy. There's some guy, Caribbean guy singing Happy. You ever had one of those songs, you sung it all day long? You can't stop singing it? Well, that's what it's going to be like. We're going to be singing. The songs you hear and the worship you'll experience will so fill you with joy and excitement that you wish will wish it'll never stop. It won't be boring in heaven. Every time you turn around, you'll practically run into something new and exciting. Heaven will not only not be boring, there will be a lot of famous people there. Jesus said we will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the, of the kingdom of God. People will come from the east and the west and the south and take their places at the feast of the kingdom of God. Now, those words are found in Luke Chapter 13, verses 28, 29. There's going to be a feast put on by God. We will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph, Joseph, Josiah, David, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, and on and on. And can you imagine the stories they'll be able to tell? I would love to hear about Noah, about building the ark and spending an entire year in a boat with animals. And I really do look forward to Jonah explaining being swallowed by the whale. A uh, bit of trivia for you. Um, sidebar, I got hit. Sidebar, bear with me. We have record of a guy in England being swallowed. They just had another guy swallowed by a sperm whale. There's two guys on record being swallowed by whales, and they both lived through it. 
by all these naysayers say it can't happen, I can show you one guy alive right now. It did. The other guy's dead and buried. But, you know, I want to find out from Jonah what happened, right? And I want to talk to Peter about personally walking on the water. I want, now, now for me, now don't might not make anything to you, but I want to know every detail about the crossing of the Red Sea. I've studied every bit of it and I want to, I want to talk to the eyewitnesses. And I believe we'll be able to learn how God created the world and how Moses received the Ten Commandments. And even some of the things not mentioned in the Bible, we're going to, what God did behind the scenes and how he worked through the lives of men and women down the ages. And you'll not just see famous people. You'll see people who you've known, people who you loved and cared for and while you lived here on this earth. Do you remember when Jesus took Peter and James and John up on the mountain and Elijah and Moses appeared to them. And now Moses and Elijah had lived centuries before, but Peter knew who they were. Peter said to Jesus, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, we'll build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. That's Matthew chapter 17, verse 4. Just think about it. If Peter could recognize as Moses and Elijah, who he had never met, we can count on being able to recognize our loved ones who died as Christians. They'll be a little different, but that's how, but we'll remember them. And we're going to be different. A body with no pain, a body with no aches. Anybody got an amen for that? I, do you want to take your body with it? I'm sorry, I don't want my body. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 54. Listen, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. This will happen in the flashes as quickly as you can twinkle your eye, it will happen at the blast of the last trumpet and the dead will be raised and live forever and they will be changed. That is what is written will come true. It says death has been swallowed up. It has lost its battle. I will be able to recognize you and you'll be able to recognize me, but we will have been changed. Once we reach heaven, we live forever. Okay. Where is heaven? I don't know. However, the Bible does speak about heaven as being up. And now we like to think that is obvious. But skeptics have attacked this for years. They've scoffed and asked exactly where is this heaven of yours? Is it up in the stratosphere? Is it in the outskirts of the solar system? Is it some distant galaxy on the other side of the universe? Back in the 1960s, a Russian cosmonaut, Major, Major Tibon, and this is when he's a little older, who has mocked, he's mocked the Christian faith forever. He had just returned from a trip to space and he scoffed and he said, well, I was out there, I didn't see God anywhere. Someone was heard saying, well, if he had stepped out of his capsule without a space chute, I bet you would have met him. <laughs> and I suspect that's not the point, okay? But it's true. 
I suspect that God uses the idea of heaven as being up as a word picture to tell us about himself and about heaven. You see, up really isn't where God dwells. He is everywhere. King Solomon asked, who is able to build him a house since heaven, even as high, the highest heaven cannot contain him? That is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6, if you want to check it out. Now, King David noted, if I go up to heaven and you are there, I will make my bed in the depths of where you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, I will settle far side from the sea, and there your hand will guide me. Now, that's David's words are in Psalms 139, and that's verses 8 and 10. Why would he do that? Well, God is everywhere. And the Bible talks about being God, about God being up in heaven. I think there's three reasons for that, that, that illustrate the why. Psalms, write it down, 14, verse 2. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand to seek after God. 2 Chronicles 6.21 said, King Solomon prays, Listen to me, listen to the pleas of your servant and your people Israel as they pray towards this place. Now he's pointing at the temple. Listen from heaven your dwelling place and hear and forgive. Deuteronomy 26, verse 15, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you've given us. The idea of God looking down from heaven is there to help us understand that God is able to see and hear everything we do and say and look into our hearts and lives and bless us all. It really doesn't matter where heaven is. All that matters is that we realize how powerful God is and how wonderful etern eternal life is with him and can be with him. Now there's a lot of imagery in scripture about heaven and scripture. They're like word pictures. Revelation speaks of the gates of a single pearl and the streets made of gold that's so pure that you can see through it. Now picture that, a pearl so huge that you can use it for a gate. Gold so pure that you can see through it, that it would be transparent. And I am convinced that these are descriptions that God uses to impress with us the beauty, beautifulness and the awesomeness of heaven. And I believe God uses such imagery, imagery because there is nothing here that could even begin to prepare us for what heaven will be like. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing here that will begin to prepare prepare us for what heaven will be like. Because heaven will be so different from everything we've experienced here on this earth. 
the closest thing it might be is a baby smile. The most wonderful, one of the most, oh, the most wonderful of all, let me just word it that way. We will get to see Jesus. We'll get to see the Holy Spirit. And we'll get to see God in all their glory. That will make all the wonders of heaven seem pale in comparison. What will, that will actually even be more important to us than our family, our friends, or even meeting famous people. The book of Job, chapter 9, verses 25 through 27 says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the end I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. That is just an inkling of what it will be like when we see Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit face to face. And we'll do what everybody else does. We'll fall down on our face and just worship. All they'll have to do is look at you. And you will know it has been worth it all. I told this story many years ago, many, many, many years ago, but it fits here perfectly. The story is told in the days when doctors did, visited their patients at home, right? It was obvious that this patient was not, had, did not have long to live. And the doctor was about to leave the sick man, and the sick man called out, Doctor, I'm afraid to die. Can you tell me what lies on the other side? And the doctor was very quiet for a moment and said, I don't know. And, and the man said, you don't know, you're a Christian, what's on, you, and you don't know what's on the other side? The doctor's hand was on the door handle. And on the other side of the door handle, scratching and whining, was his dog. He had brought his dog, and as he opened the door, the dog ran into the room and jumped on the old man's leg, you know, and eagerly licked him and was happy and, to see him. And then the doctor had an idea. His dog gave him the best answer possible. He wondered why he brought him on the visit, but here's the answer. Suddenly the doctor realized, this is the answer. Did you see what my dog just did? He's never been in this room before. He didn't know what was in this room. He knew nothing about here at this room except that I was in here and when the door opened, he rushed in without fear. I know very little what's on the other side of death, but I do know one thing. I know my Lord and Savior is there, and that is enough. And when the doors open, I will pass through it with no fear, but with joy and gladness. And that is my answer for heaven. Sam in Utah, hear this clearly, that, that joy and gladness can be yours. And all you who've heard this message, and we share this message with, you can share in that joy too. You have to realize your sin and that God loves you and you repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be your savior and make known the command of baptism and you do all those good things. 
But you can decide that today. That's your invitation. He's inviting you to come just as you are. And if you've already done that someplace else or here at Cornerstone, you get to rejoice. Today, we have talked about what we long for. Now, some of you got a few medical challenges and you've been through a few and you always wonder what's going to happen. When that door opens, you're going to go running. You don't care what's in there. All you want to do is see Jesus. And that is the truth of heaven. Everyone else tries to tell you what it is. We don't need to know. All we know is God's there. The Holy Spirit's there. His Son's there. All the other stuff is word pictures so we can enjoy. There's nothing on this earth that can, pair, that can prepare us for us. Where is heaven? Heaven's everywhere. And on this side of heaven, there's one thing I will never understand. And I've said it many times. We do not go there as servants. If you read God's word, we go there as adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God with full rights of sonship and daughterhood. What that means, I don't know. But I can rejoice. This world is tough. Any of you had a tough week? Only a couple of you? Cool, that's really good. See, some of you are visitors here today, and we don't, I'm going to say this as clearly as I possibly can. We don't have all the fancy cameras and all the fancy stuff. We put those speakers up there for Reverend Doctor, who had a hearing challenge, and he'd never heard singing when he was on a cochlear implant. And the day he heard the people in church sing, that whole service, his tears just rolled down his face. He, I sat here and watched them just roll down the whole time. He had lost that beauty of singing. So we take those speakers, and we have people on the internet that watch us because we actually had to move the camera over so they could see the musicians. They want to know who's singing, playing, and all this stuff. They sing because we sing. I don't, I can get you a report, I can get you an IP address. I don't worry about it. We're called to be faithful for you. And if we bless somebody else, we bless it. You know, we, we can tell you, we, we we once in a while celebrate that our little sign out there is everywhere, right? 11,000 cars drive by that sign every week. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. What's worse is when the cop banging on your door at 2 o'clock in the morning because somebody's changed their sign and you don't want it to say what it said. <laughs> they take care of us. See, our mission field is Bismarck, Mandan, Lincoln, that area. Because of the COVID, we've been able to do more. I had no idea Sam and Joanne were out there, and Sam and Joanne, we're very glad you're out there. But they were laying on a hospital bed, and there was not a church there. Answered the phone, prayed. 
God answered. God answered. She called because he was dying. He wasn't going to, he was, it was bad. Now, is it, does he have to have some rehabilitation and get learned to do some things again? Yeah, but he ain't dead. And he'll watch this sometime. You don't realize that you're bigger than here. We enjoy each other. There's some wonderful goodies. If you're a visitor, there's goodies at that coffee bar waiting for you. Their children are downstairs learning about God. There's always something going on. We've had somebody come back who was hurt. And that's a rejoice. Been missing her. We got another man in the hospital. We've been missing him. Heaven is a family. Heaven is a family. And we are so glad you're all here today. But nothing, nothing I can tell you today will prepare you for it. It is beyond my ability to share how good it's going to be. So let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you've given us glimpses of heaven. You've given us images of heaven. But nothing's going to prepare us as we see you. We will do what everyone else does. We will fall flat on our face in worship. We will say we are not worthy. And you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we will cry. But help us to realize, Father, that we are called to share this good news with Bismarck and Mandan now. We have the best thing in the world possible. And we're called to share it. Now give us wisdom on how to do that. In your son's most precious name we pray. Amen.